Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Who La La. Now we are kicking off our Prime Month celebrations with a real treat. Our guests today are the incredible recent Carrot, the masterminds and talent behind the Gallifrey Cabaret, which has been putting on fantastic, to quote the Ninth Doctor, performances nationwide. For those who don't already know, the Gallifrey Cabaret is an extraordinary night of queer cosmic drag and cabaret, all inspired by Doctor Who. We attended our first ever cabaret earlier this year and were joined by K9 the Kinky Pup, a very tired Donna, a stripping Rasputin, the Absorbaloft chasing pavements, and a sexy cyber controller. We were absolutely blown away because Kara and Reese are performers, the most hilarious, charismatic, and gorgeous duo everyone needs to be attending a Gallifrey cabaret. So a very warm welcome to Reese and Karen. Hello. Hello. Hola. <laughs> oh, how are you both doing? Oh, oh yes. I'm I'm well. Are you well? I'm doing great, yes. I'm very well, thank you. I've got a glass of wine. It's you know, a lovely evening. It's one o'clock in the yeah. afternoon. There you go. <laughs> oh, thank you both for joining uh, on a, a very special episode of Hula La. We're very happy to have you. Thank you for having us. This was like the booking for us. We were like genuinely so gagged. We were like honestly psyching up for the longest time. Like, are we ready to approach them? You need like, to lower your expectations. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're like, have we made the connections yet <laughs> to do this? Increase your standards. <laughs> <laughs> we will for season three. Okay, funny fact. Reese, my first time I saw you perform was not, in fact, Gallifrey Cabaret. I saw you at Diana Untold and Untrue, a very important queer play about Diana's life, where you as an audience member participated by playing Diana's dad, a role that I felt you played very well. Maybe it was born to play. Maybe. You were very convincing, I felt, reading lines from the screen. I have fathered so many children. (laughs) (laughs) So many. Thank you. That was very fun. It was a great play. It was a great play. I had a fabulous time. That's another fabulous queer production. It's coming to Fringe later this year, in fact. And other TV appearances you've had. You've been on Pointless as well, haven't you? We have. We have. Yeah, we did very badly. (laughs) You've done the plethora of, when we talk about like queer iconic moments, Bargain Hunt is up there for me. I watched your episode on Bargain Hunt and it genuinely, I have to admit, I'm not an avid follower of Bargain Hunt usually. I haven't watched it since I was probably ill in year six, but me and my boyfriend who also hates, he's from Barbados and he hates English TV. We were glued to the screen. It was when you were like debating whether or not to buy the love seat. I was like, you've got to do it. You've got to make the choice you've got to do it and he was like no it's not going to be a good investment it really did have us like gripped (laughs) and what swung us to get that in the end was that it was a TARDIS blue love seat oh they cut it out it went on the cutting room floor I, I think I knew that's a shame I feel like anything sort of like Doctor Who coded is a good enough reason to make any purchase for me but I you know I I had it I knew you had it in you I knew you were going to get it Yes, we got it and then we lost money on it. It made such a big loss. It was fully worth it. Fully worth it. I thought it was good. I genuinely thought it was going to be one of the ones that would do well. Did you ultimately make a gain or a loss? We made £6. Oh. (laughs) Profit. Yes. And let me tell you, you earned every single penny of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it might be able to get the dog through college. Yeah. One day. Oh, Good for them. The Doctor Who College or the bus ticket home. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> and so speaking of Doctor Who, for both of you, what is your Doctor Who origin story? Where did you first get into it? Were you 2005 Rose stands? Was it even earlier? Was it later? I always kind of had a knowledge of it in a sort of pop cultural sense, but I really jumped on board with the revival in 2005 and remember very, very... Mm-hmm 
clearly watching it live on TV with the countdown. And then it started and it was just... I remember it so clearly watching it in my bedroom, mm-hmm. my childhood bedroom with the, with the curtains <laughs> closed. And yeah, what about you? Yeah, same here. I don't know. My mum had a very strict TV routine um, and Doctor Who was not a part of it. So I feel like when it started to be on telly, that's when I actually got a telly in my room. Oh, that's a big step. Yeah, it was a big step. Still when they were like a literal box. <laughs> yeah. I relate to that so much. I think my parents got me a telly in my room and one of the, you know, like 10 by 10 inch square box ones purely because I wanted to like watch the reruns and the DVDs so much downstairs. They were like, we need to get you out of the living room. We need to get you out of the shared <laughs> space. Just put one in his room. It'll be easier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. My mum was like, I don't want to watch this. So we got one that was full, one of those fully, it was like bright green, which kind oh, of fits. Nice. Fits the aesthetic now. You don't see that anymore. That's very much a product of its time, a neon green piece of tech. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, And I have vivid memories of sitting down to watch Doctor Who in my bedroom alone. Very excited. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But when when we eventually started to get the internet... I would watch it and then I would go on iPlayer and watch it again. Mm. I have a very vivid memory mm. of like immediately watching the episode afterwards of watching it the first time because I'm like, what did I miss? I feel like the first time you watch it, you can't really take it in. I I feel like I even do that now. I remember when WandaVision came out, I would do that. I would watch the episode and then like the next day you go on Disney Plus be like, I've got to watch it again. <laughs> That's very much me. I need to just take it. It's just very overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> so I do need to, exactly. I need to rewatch it. Um, a few times, actually. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the little teaser that came out the other day? Because we, we were actually at Alistair's. It was his birthday party. And it kind of like dropped online and then on Twitter everywhere. And we were like frame by frame going through it. Like, but what does it mean playing it backwards, trying to figure out all the code and everything? So camp. Loved it. Loved that. So when, whenever they do any any sort of like fun promo like that, as they've done for like, you know, since it kind of came back on TV... It's just so much fun. Anything that you can pour over and deconstruct yeah. and play mm. backwards is um, is lovely. I just wish it happened at times where I wasn't like doing something because it, because <laughs> yeah. I have to stop. Even it doesn't matter what I'm doing. It's a good job I don't drive. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> lives would be lost. That's the situation we were in because I was at. We were about to have guests, and I was like, "No, nah, everything pauses now. We're gonna sit down, get the laptop out, and we're gonna start reverting this. We're gonna start playing this back." Our poor partners were just kind of sat in the corner. <laughs> yeah, they have no interest, and they were just kind of there, like, well, "It's important to get your priorities right in this life." Thirty-eight seconds can last a good few hours if you make it, and you're on Dog Two Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that easily. <laughs> what were your favourite episodes growing up? Like, especially in, like, I'm assuming, like, you know, going through RTD1 into Stephen Moffat and beyond. What were your favourite episodes? What were the ones that you would then go on iPlayer and rewatch multiple times? Oh, what would I... I mean, for me, it was as soon as um, Donna came into it. It was, like, Slay. beginning to end that season. Um, the campery mm-hmm. of it. I feel like, because I was already quite a big fan of comedy and, like, British comedy actors. Catherine Tate being one of those in the Catherine Tate mm-hmm. show. So as soon as that those worlds collided for me, I was like head over heels in love. Christmas 2006 was a special time for you. <laughs> it really was. It really was. And then I don't know if it's like a popular episode for lots of people, but I always used to like rewatching The Unicorn and the Wasp because I love the campery of it. 
Stan. Yeah. Stan. I loved the campery. <laughs> I think it's also because my mum's a big fan of, um, wasps. like, did, <laughs> wasps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she likes to watch her uh, detectives on telly, like uh, mm. Agatha Christie, Poirot, yeah. that sort of thing. And it has that mm. same vibe. So I feel like there was a bit of nostalgia in there for me. Mm. Yeah. My grandma used to love old Poirots, you know, with a proper, like, waxed moustache. Oh, yeah. Poirots. <laughs> Those were on constantly when I was younger. Yeah, nails that aesthetic. How did you both realise that you were both Doctor Who fans? I don't know what me and Sam realised, because me and Sam met at Pride in 2019 or something like that. And mm-hmm. it was a long time later that we realised we were both Doctor Who fans. And I can't remember how we, like, first breached that topic. Yeah, can't, I really can't remember. It, it defines our whole personality now. Unfortunately, there's no other topic. <laughs> so I don't know when that shifted. <laughs> but when was that for you? It's funny the way that you like phrase that question. When did you first realise you were a Doctor Who fan? Because I thought you were going to ask when we realised we were like queer. Queers. But then I was like, it's no. the same. <laughs> it's the same question. It's the same. Literally, question. yeah. <laughs> um, and the answer to both is David Tennant. There you go. Well, because we met at university. Yeah. And and we have a another sort of in our sort of little triumvirate. A, a, a friend called Becky as well, and we mutual friend. Yeah, and we're like this this little trio, and I think we bonded very soon. We did after that. To be honest, like most most conversations I have in day to day life will segue into Doctor Who very quickly. It's true. Same. <laughs> I feel that as it should. So it definitely was something that we, as a sort of friendship group, um, kind of bonded over. I feel like I would quote. I would probably do. I would probably quote Donna quite a lot, mm. and that. Yeah. You're very Donna coded as a person. <laughs> I feel like I did base a lot, a lot of my personality I based on that character. So I feel maybe that's how we started to bond. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think there was a moment where we went, I guess similar oh, to you. We're both like Doctor Who fans. We both yeah. like fans, but we, mm. we are both fans. Uh, but I guess we kind of really realized how deep our fandom is when we decided to set up the show. That's when it probably... What? How did that come about? How did being Doctor Who fans turn into this amazing like show that's been regularly like travelling across the country? Well, I've been doing cabaret uh, shows and producing them in various different ways for about six, seven years now. And I... Uh, Reese told me, oh, we should do a Doctor Who-themed one and probably for like... He'd been saying it since I ever since I started doing it, pretty much. And I've mm. always said no, because I thought no one's going to come. <laughs> I never thought I never thought it would sell. If only you knew. If only you knew. <laughs> and that, but like, we put it on on a like low risk night, just in case, like as a tester and like sold out in the first day. And it's just like wild and it just keeps selling out every time it just sells out i've never known anything like it to be honest with you so it's like next level but um it's your fault it is for making it happen <laughs> you're to blame where, where was the first one was the first one at the rvt yeah, yeah it was it was mm. and how how did that go then set the stage for like you know you've got it all set up you're about to go on stage what's it what are you thinking what are you feeling well, very excited. I mean, one of the great things is that, you know, it did sell so well and mm. there was such a buzz around it and we were so excited and we had this amazing, as we always managed to just get the most like fantastic lineup of, mm-hmm. of drag and cabaret talent at various stages in, in their respective careers as well. And it's just, there's a, there's such a real confidence for me as a host before I go on and do a night like that, knowing 
that you've got this treasure trove of of stuff to share with an audience and just being like just wanting to like show off all of you all, all of your cool like friends and and all the things that you know are going to come because the audience don't necessarily know what you've got in store um <laughs> but it's always very fun like i don't think we've ever had an act that i've not enjoyed like no, yeah. they, they've all been amazing and so different and so weird and wonderful yeah and yeah, yeah. Next question, who's your least favourite act? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) There's this person who keeps doing Donna and it's getting a bit tired. Oh, (laughs) oh, very good. I didn't want to be the one to bring it up. Let's roll roll out Donna again. I will do that same Donna (laughs) act until the day I die. Coming out as Donna... I was like, okay, nothing's going to match this. Like, this is incredible. This is amazing. Like the vibe of the room has just changed. And we were like, that's never going to be topped. And then later when you come out as Astrid, I mean, another level, another level, both incredible. We were both kind of turning to our partners who again, don't really watch the show. And we were like, this is funny because Astrid Peth was played by Kylie Minogue and Kylie Minogue was in 2017. (laughs) Just leave it be. Don't, don't worry. Leave it be. (laughs) They loved it without context because it was such a quality performance as is, but there was a moment in the Kylie bit that made me scream, which was, there were two parts. One is with all the fairy lights that get switched on. Yeah. <laughs> You're wrapped in. Spoiler was... alert. Oh, are these spoilers? <laughs> okay, I won't say what the other one is. No, you can spoil okay, away. Maybe... Spoil away. We'll tease. We'll tease. We want to we bring audiences in, but then they're going to have to be surprised when they go. Exactly. Okay, there's... There's a tool used to stand in for the forklift that I thought was incredibly creative. Oh, to be honest, that's a spoiler even for me because I never know what bloody thing I'm going to use to come on stage on. I just ask people. Oh, is people. it different every time? It yeah, is. I, I mean, wherever we've gone, I just ask people what they have. Has anyone got anything on wheels? I mean, we're going to Cardiff in a few days and I know for a fact, without even asking you, that you have not organised what you're using as a forklift truck for Astrid yet. No, I so, don't know. God knows what you're going to roll in on. Please find some Heelys. Please. I also love out of context, well, God knows what you're going to roll in on. (laughs) (laughs) It was so amazing. Like Alistair said, even people who go that aren't like Doctor Who fans are really in the know just found it. I think they were just saying that it was so amazing, as with any queer cabaret show, to see the variety of like cabaret acts from like queens and kings and um, different performers. They just found it so entertaining. But I will say that the little nuggets that you could only get, either if you're a Doctor Who fan or if you're like a, like a real Doctor Who fan. We When we went, there was a performer um, who's dressed in drag as the Absorbaloff singing Chasing Pavements while holding a photo of Ursula. And when I tell you I lost my shit <laughs> it was just so insane. I mean, Alistair just kind of turned to each other and we were like... <gasps> And our boyfriends were like, right. yeah, <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, they put they put so much effort into it. It was, yeah, really amazing. How how do you go about finding an act who can do a Doctor Who performance? Or do they find you? A little bit of both, to be honest. We've mm-hmm. done we've done a fair few call outs because we want to just make sure that we're constantly like widening the net of who we can get involved. Mm-hmm. We don't want it to be like a like a little mates club as it were, um, which a lot of these nights can sometimes run the risk of. And at the same time, we do work with a lot of our friends who we know who love the show um, and who've expressed interest in it before or people who then, who've come and seen the show. And then like, we've got some acts coming up in future instalments who've 
maybe not even ever really done drag before, but they've been to stuff. They've been to a Gallifrey Cabaret, especially, and they've been like, I want to do something. I've got an idea for an act. Let's give it a go. Mm-hmm. Let's let's get them on the stage and, and see what happens. Inspiring the masses. <laughs> so, like, suddenly I'm like, wait, wait, could I? Could I step up? No, but I'm like, mm-hmm. You've already both been on the stage with us we did we did we appear did. on stage we um we were in the cyberman the cyberman making competition with some tinfoil it was mm-hmm. pretty cold as well this was back in when was this february january february february outside the rvt just <laughs> frantically wrapping sam in tinfoil making tinfoil penises and and, uh, and and we didn't win well, we did we realize didn't. we made a bit of a misstep because in our little uh, trio for anyone listening who who wasn't at um gallifrey cabaret that night uh in the intermission of the two acts um we were called on stage or i say we were called on stage volunteers were brought onto the stage and i sort of yeah. dragged alistair kicking and screaming uh, and i was like we're getting involved <laughs> and um <laughs> uh we were told to we were giving the role of tinfoil in a dream and to make yourself into a cyberman and um i do feel that uh the rightful team won we actually um had beth axford on the podcast recently who was in the winning team because we did make a i think a slight misstep in uh focusing our aesthetic uh entirely in like dildos like like cyberman dildos on international women's day and it's not <laughs> but i do think it might have been a slight misstep everything <laughs> was a penis what would be because i know you've i think you've had some famous guests before did katie manning not or who was it one of these? Was it Katie Manning who gave a gift for one of these? She just turned up as well. We tried to fight her off and she just, sort just of, she, she beat up the security can't. guard. She threw a chair through the window. Sounds, we couldn't stop her. She's feral. Right. That she won't one. leave us alone. I don't think anything could stop Katie Manning doing what she wanted to do. <laughs> Jokes aside, Katie is wonderful and brilliant and just the epitome of everything that Doctor Who is and mm-hmm. was and will continue to be and is just the most wonderful. I mean, I'm gushing because she is literally one of the best people she I've so ever met. Cute. She's so lovely. Mm-hmm. Within like five minutes of meeting her, she was like, I've brought all of this stuff for the raffle that I had lying around and, and oh. I've signed all of it as well. I hope you can get some good some good money for it for the charity because we run the oh, night. Yeah, and she, and, she came um, on and did a little speech as well. And she, she did a, a lovely little speech oh. and she was dressed like the best in the room and it's just she was telling me a story about when she knew Liza Minnelli it's just a, great wow oh my God. that's amazing did she actually sort of get her own ticket was she invited or did she actually find it herself how did she end up there she was invited through um well someone at the RVT that we work closely with who kind of gave us the opportunity to do the the Gallifrey Cabaret there is a guy called Dave, Dave Cross, and he programs stuff at the RVT and is a massive Whovian and a Trekkie mm. and a Star Wars um, <laughs> nerd and um, massive, massive geek. And he knows Katie through just through associates and stuff and, yeah and, and she's done yeah, no she's how. done stuff in the past with the rvt as well they've done yeah they've done a few sort of doctor who things here and there in the past but yeah she she just she and came along and she was wonderful the sisterhood of khan always come to the show as well and i feel like the, the sisterhood of khan is a is like a group of doctor who fans by the way not, oh, not, not the oh, actual. i was like oh the actors <laughs> no i was like the species <laughs> no the group the, the yeah they're like a fan group oh. yeah and they know her and she knows them really well so hmm. oh that's amazing wow one of the katie manning prizes has actually made its way into my possession because one of the winners actually identified a long time ago 
like I really they were like I have this and I I love it but I think (laughs) you would appreciate it more and I now have very safely kept boxed the Katie Manning figures (laughs) (laughs) so at least one of the prizes and it is I'm looking after it very safely kind kindly from uh someone called Harry who gave it to me was very very kind we would love to have her back yeah I think she's gonna come back we're we're doing one obviously we've got one in the summer and then looking mm-hmm. ahead, there may be some exciting plans for November. The teasers, oh. honey. Because we're recording this in early May. Mm. We're releasing this hopefully in June. So you'll have done your Cardiff Cabaret yes. by then, I think. How did it go? I've, I've already, I already know. I've been and it was great. Mm. <laughs> wow. Rave reviews all round. Rave reviews all round. And it's in the Millennium Centre? Yes. I mean, in itself, a Doctor Who location. Exactly. Yeah. That's crazy. So, so cool. Really that cool. We've got the opportunity to perform there. They've got this amazing cabaret space that they've just done this huge Refurb. multi-million pound reverb on. And it's, it's gorgeous. Um, and we're going to be performing there in a few days time. And it's sold out and we're so excited to be there. And wow. you can literally, it's within like... Congratulations. Spitting distance. Thank you. Spitting distance of... Torchwood. Torchwood is beneath us while we are performing. Yeah. What I was going to say, you can roll out of the cabaret show and then go to a Yanto's Shrine and just have a good cry. Yeah. Well, I always like to have a good cry after yeah. a show. Yeah. Purely because of Yanto. A cry of joy from the show and a tear for Yanto. <laughs> <laughs> I have two eyes for a reason. It's been in a few episodes. I think it was in New New Earth as the hospital. Yes. It was in The Sound of Drums as where Harold Saxon comes down the stairs and speaks to the nation. It was in the Sarah Jane Adventures somewhere. And I think there's another one. I think it might be where the doctor kind of parks with Vincent to go into the art gallery. It might not be. I might have got that one wrong. But I'm also pretty sure, one more, there's the planet... They land on in The Girl Who Waited, the one where they accidentally age Amy. Mm. And they have to leave old Amy behind. That, I think, as well, is where those robots are trying to mm. attack her with the the hands. You know the one I mean. I'm pretty sure it's also that one. Anyway, three good episodes and now home to a cabaret. In anticipation for going, we watched um, <laughs> Boomtown, which is the most Cardiff-heavy yes. of... All the episodes. Mm-hmm. What did What did you think on the rewatch? Great, iconic. Every line is a zinger. The dinner I mean, scene is amazing. Alistair didn't like it. No, I didn't not like it. <laughs> it's when we came to doing an episode review of it. At this point, we were doing like every episode of series one, and up until then, everything had been like hit, hit, hit. And I was going like purely on. I was I was being critical. Mm. I was being a hater. I was like, you know, what what do I objectively score this? Um, in reality, it's a great campy fun scene. I've always been a Boomtown stan, so what can I say? <laughs> it's important to have wrong opinions sometimes. Isn't yeah. It? Um, so, <laughs> uh, <Sure>. yeah. <laughs> who are some people that you would love to like stop by for a visit, booked or not? Who who would be the person you would love to just come by for the cabaret? Oh. <laughs> Well, a jinx monsoon. <laughs> yes. Oh, come! Listen, on. we know we are we are right next door to where they are filming, to where they are making this show right now. Yeah, the the invitations are there. We are not going to turn away Jinx yeah, or Shooty yeah. or Russell if they come to the door. But 
they they can also but definitely buy a ticket if they want to. <laughs> um, but you know, wouldn't it be a gag if they if everyone I, like I didn't even put two and two together. Of course, they're filming there. If they just heard it was happening and turned up, yeah, I would probably evacuate my bowels upon seeing them. <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, someone has to reach out or do some flyering because the studios are literally around the corner. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. like if you if you hung around long enough, just even like near the barriers to the studios with some fly and just chuck them at cars coming through, you'll have someone's <laughs> attention. And I feel like it's a situation. Maybe yes. the police, but at least someone's. <laughs> yeah, security. <laughs> Bad wall security. <laughs> in a perfect world, I would love to get well anyone involved in the show along. Literally, is, 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 is a, would be a pleasure. But it would be lovely to have a doctor there. Um, it would be mm. gorgeous to have one of the showrunners there, whether that's Russell or, or Stephen Moffat or Chris Chibnall. Just because I just think it would just be so cool, and also just to, to meet these people and to, for them to see in the room the love that fans have for this thing, yeah, and especially yes. queer fans as well, and how important it is. And there is not really an atmosphere like it that I've come mm, across yeah. in stuff when no. you've just got everyone under one roof, just being like, "We fucking love this thing," and having it's, a party, having a party, and just like. It's nice to see fans getting along. The atmosphere. We've all been on Doctor Who Twitter. <laughs> yeah, but the, the atmosphere there honestly is so pure and mm-hmm. so lovely that everyone is there in that like shared love of something. Mm. And when you you kind of had like a slideshow up as well, kind of while everyone's getting their drinks at the start before the show begins, and you've got these like very niche characters and clips kind of coming up, and even that in itself like delighted me that like we're hearing this shared love of this ridiculous thing. Yeah, having a drink, like watching some really silly performances. It's the best thing. Um, and yeah, it's funny because I feel like as well, if Russell could be there in the room and like just like see the atmosphere, I can really imagine him like howling with laughter and enjoying that if he was aware of it. I really, really think he'd be so proud of like what it's become um, in our community as well. I think is is yeah, he'd he'd love it. I need him there. I like ran up to Reese at the end and I was like, it's like me and Elsa like designed a night out. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it is so nice to have helped get this into existence you know yeah um mm-hmm. yeah. but it is such a such a communal thing like all the acts that yeah. we have helped build it there are so many people who help getting on it on, on its feet and obviously everyone who's there as well helps make it such a fun mm. night mm. um so yeah we love doing it yeah, um, and feel very lucky that we've kind of <laughs> carved a niche out for ourselves until <laughs> until we inevitably yes. get shut down by some lawyers somewhere. <laughs> it can never happen. It can never happen. It's it's just it's such like you were saying. It's such a great night. It's just fun and wholesome and funny. Who have been some of your favourite acts that you've had on on previous cabarets? Who comes to mind? I like uh, I like both. We've had two. Dalek burlesque acts. I've seen <laughs> photos of one of them, the one with the pink helmet. Yeah. Mm. And they both stick in my mind as being very iconic. I also loved in our first show, we had a weeping angel with like the strobe lights and they were moving. <laughs> and that was hilarious, um, but not, but also kind of scary and fun. Yes. And it was also a strip act um, as well. <laughs> Which was fun. Weeping boobies. Yeah, weeping boobies. And then... (laughs) Don't blink. Blink and you're dead. It was very that. And also Bailey J. Mills. Bailey J. Mills. Mm, I mean, everyone must have seen their iconic uh, performance and also TikToks of them 
with the like shaking titties like don't blink it's so funny so stupid so stupid well that's what we were saying as well when we were there we were like we could sort of look at each other every second and we'd be like this is dumb like this is really really <laughs> silly but like in the best way like i can't think of another i mean like so many like shows and movies have incredible fandoms that are like a collection of talented amazing incredible people but there's just something about the docky who crowd that is so daft and we're all aware that it's daft but that kind of makes it even better and in the setting of a cabaret show it just works so well like it's the perfect blend of two worlds that's why we were like couldn't believe that no one had really done it before like there's been a few things here and there like there was like a doctor whosical a few years ago Mm -hmm. that kind of played for a few nights at either, I think it was at, even at the RVT and like um, Tia Coffey, for example, who went on to do Drag Race was part of that um, mm-hmm. group. And then there's a there's a Doctor Who improv show. I know that goes up to the fringe pretty much every year. Um, but it's certainly not as like, there's not been like what we do, I think, which is like a dedicated mm-hmm. drag and cabaret variety show that platforms stuff inspired by the whole 60 years Mm. of Doctor Who Mm. with a particular emphasis on 2005 to 2010 just because you know that's when a lot of our acts were kind of kids slash teenagers and watching it and it's become very memeable in its own right hasn't it like every other screen grab from that from that time well I feel like I was talking to um, Georgia Cook who we had on the podcast recently and I was saying I feel like we have classic Who there's new Who and then there's like new new Who so like we all Mm. kind of grew up really from like 2005 onwards and even like watching the new era it feels like we're now going into like a whole new era of the show and I think like memeable is the, the exact right word like there's so many like Queen Jackie Tyler kind of is an entity of her own online. I'm just so happy. I hope that Camille, the actor that played her, knows just how iconic she is and how she has like a chokehold on the queer community. I think, I hope she knows. I, I think, think she, she knows, knows. Yeah. for sure. We'll we, we, had, we had a drag queen called her who was an amazing performer and she was in our very first Gallifrey Cabaret and did uh, a whole act around Jackie Tyler That's and joking. it was absolutely oh, amazing and see. we've been wanting to book her again we just want to make sure that we get lots of uh, lots of new stuff as well but we're definitely going to return to some of her yeah. return to some of the old favourites I've seen so many people going to like meet and greets with with her in like the dressing gown that she has in Rose like I just think that's so iconic yes <laughs> amazing yes because like the 2005 era now is in itself becoming vintage now in that it's been a good like don't say don't say I know it's horrible but it's like I mean what's the equivalent when 2005 came on when was 20 years prior to that what was that 1985 oh stop it like that's how far we nearly are from where that was it's just shocking it's shocking we're so old yeah but it is crazy how well it's aged like obviously the most like I'd say annoying thing about it when I'm trying to introduce series one to new viewers is just like the camera quality where they're like this looks like it's old but like (laughs) story wise i genuinely think it holds up and you know i i have like love for all the episodes but we watched all of series one of doc two uh for hulala and then we jumped and the next episode we did was the day of the doctor and maybe that's a bad example but we were just talking about it and we were like the story here just the a doesn't really make sense but b like it doesn't hold a candle to like series one like it, it was just like banger after banger after banger well when you asked earlier like what is your like favorite episode like I mean, I love stuff from the whole, the whole thing that is Doctor <laughs> Who, um, especially the new eras that we've had. Um, 
but series one will always be like my first true love and Mm -hmm. i think it is just a perfect story like the first 13 episodes of that Mm. of of revival who is just so perfectly done and obviously it's so sad that we didn't get chris for more than one series but at the same time it's kind of really cool that we did just get him for that one. It's just a perfect, like, what a what a great run he had. I walked into the Doctor Who workroom and said, I want to make history. And that's what this is. And he did. <laughs> and he did. And he left them wanting more. That is kind of the thing, isn't it? It is kind of iconic because he left us desperate for more and just refuses mm-hmm. to ever turn up again on TV. And that, that's kind of iconic. But he was wonderful. He's so, like I said to Sam, like but way back when we were watching it, there's something so weirdly comforting about watching Christopher Eccleston now for me. Mm. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, there's like, that's my uncle who doesn't visit anymore. Like, I miss him. <laughs> <laughs> but I think some people forget sometimes just how tied to one's childhood and sort of adolescence, stuff like that, especially like Doctor Who can mm. be. So like, you know, in the fullness of time, people will look back on, you know, Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, Jodie's run with the same affection because it is such mm-hmm. an integral part of their growing up. Mm, and yeah. also I feel like in the fullness of time looking back, the episodes age very well. They do. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I've been getting into some like 12th Doctor stuff that I hadn't really watched as much. And mm. those series, like what is that series eight and nine? I think mm-hmm. eight, nine, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. It really holds up. Like, and I'm uh, again with like episodes from from the Chibnall era as well. Like I go back and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I enjoyed this the first time round, but now also. I think there is something about that with Doctor Who where I'll enjoy an episode for the first time. And I think especially like, you know, going into Peter Capaldi's era, maybe it was just, I think, I feel like a lot of people I speak to love the show growing up, kind of like drift away for a few years and then sort of come back in our case, very hard. And you run a podcast about the show. Um, but anyways, they, I feel like I, I, same to you. I've been going back and watching quite a lot of Capaldi episodes recently. Ones I just don't have as much memory for because it's not one that I would rewatch a lot. And they really are holding up. I think better than, I even like remember them and I remember enjoying them. Mm. Um, I recently watched like the Monk trilogy with Bill and I remember at the time watching that and being like, oh, this is a bit silly and this is a bit daft. And then I think with retrospect, I'm like, everything's a bit silly and everything's a bit daft. And it's actually like a very good like trio of episodes. So yeah, I feel like it, going back, there's a lot you can sort of rediscover, which I guess is kind of yeah. the point of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, I find as well, going back to a lot of Doctor Who, yeah, it can, it can surprise you, can't it? Because I think even sometimes when they've missed the mark, the intention is usually quite thoughtful and deliberate of what they were trying to achieve. I feel like they're always trying a new avenue mm. with Doctor Who. Like, it's rare that you get something that was kind of lazy on Doctor Who. There's usually some, like, they've, they've if anything, they tend to aim too high and slightly realise they can't quite achieve that on the budget they've got or something like that, or it just doesn't quite kind of deliver in the way that it, you know they want it to on tv whereas i find that even like a show like you know the mandalorian right with like a budget 10 times the size i find like week to week that can age poorly i can go back to an episode a second time a week after i saw it and think oh actually this was kind of weird mm. um but doctor who yes yeah, there's always something kind of in there i think i think that's made with a lot of love um and as well i think because you can excuse a lot in doctor who as well because it, it's always been a camp and silly show you can't take too much of Doctor Who too seriously. Part of the fun is is kind of what is is it kind of being a little bit shit sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. No, I think I totally like, agree. it needs to be. It needs to be camp. It needs to wear his hearts on its sleeve. <laughs> and 
Absolutely. It just needs to lean into itself and how gloriously silly and camp and weird and wonderful it is. And I would rather it took a swing and missed. Um, although arguably I think like, who, who, who are you to say, who are we to say if it, if it does miss? Because there are so, so many people. And this is the great thing about fandoms is that one of the good things about fandoms is that someone's least favorite episode or least favorite doctor or least favorite whatever is someone else's favorite and means so much. Yeah, I, yeah. I regularly get flack for loving Fear Her, which is one of my favorite episodes. Chloe Webber. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. It's can Council van, yeah. council axe. It's great. It's so good. <laughs> and I will die on that hill. And I know that there are some people who would burn that episode at the stake, given the chance. I, just, I wanted to show you. I've got some accessories in my drawer here. I'm just trying to get out. How, how I have longed for you to say that. You've, you've brought up a good episode here. Um, well, I've only got the one at the minute. I've got these two top trump card earrings. This one is, um, I've got these on Etsy. This one is, unfortunately, I've only got the bad one. I've got Chloe's dad. But I do have Chloe Webber as a top trump card that you can actually wear. Now, Chloe's dad is obviously quite a problematic one to wear out. But I do have, the, the Chloe one is in here somewhere. Please wear Wait. Chloe Webber top trump card. I, I, I found I, her. I willed. <laughs> you found her? I willed it yeah, to yeah, be oh, this. Here we go. We have. I have this gorgeous photo of Alistair. We did a little photo shoot for Hula La um, when we were setting up for series two. And there's this amazing photo of him, almost like a, a, like a stamp turned to his profile with the Chloe Webber earring just hanging there. I need to try and find it. It's so iconic. We will tweet it or something, but it is just the best. It's my favourite picture. Fuck That's King Charles. <laughs> Fuck the Queen. That's what Chloe I want to see on currency. I want to see a profile of you <laughs> with your Chloe Webber top trump card earring. I'll second that. I was, all I was going to say about the card really is they've given her quite quite a low monster rating. She's only got a two. I think that might, I don't know if that's out of a 10 or a possible 99. She's got a 99 <laughs> for darkness, but only a 21 for intelligence, which I feel is a bit mean. That's harsh. <laughs> I think um, this is this is wrong. She's basically. clever. I would like to. She is. She's an artist. She deserves higher marks for that. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like Fear Her is a good one to bring up because Doctor Who, it, it's such a camp... Like, I think that whole thing of traveling to the Olympics and getting out the like sparkly cupcakes at the end, it's always been a camp show, even like throughout Classic Who. But especially going into the new era, it's become a very queer show, like ever since it's revived in 2005. I guess what I'm trying to say is Doctor Who turned us all gay. Let's discuss. True. Yeah. But <laughs> yes. it, it really is a queer show all the way. Like, I mean, through the show's original roots, back with the original um, director. But especially now on screen, it's quite a queer show without being like labeled as a like quote unquote like LGBTQ plus show. Um, what do you think it is about Doctor Who that draws such a queer audience? I think that it Doctor Who always manages to because you've got this like crazy character, the Doctor, who's super fantastical and unbelievable, and then the the companions are the important ones. They're the ones mm. that you relate to. They're the ones that um, you find your way into the story through. And I feel like they always make those characters uh, people who, well, number one, they're always very real, very like Mm -hmm. people that you know or people that you relate to. And then they always have some kind of struggle or something that they're about their identity or something that they're going through and the doctor helps them with it somehow. And I wonder if there's something in there with queerness as well and the campery of it obviously but like Mm. Mm. i think 
in general, Doctor Who manages to always capture what society's like at that moment and then present a sort of very, a nice way of looking at it or a nice way of responding to the darkness, if you like. Um, And I wonder if that's something that we all relate to on a sort of deeper level. Yeah. One of the one of the main themes of the show, I guess, is the idea of being able to sort of escape, but not in like a necessarily in a bad way, just being in like a, I have this box that can take me anywhere, anytime, and the possibilities that come with that. And I wanted to say something about like chosen family as well, which I think is such oh, an yeah. important thing for queer people and for Doctor Who. You know, the Doctor always has their fam, always has their TARDIS team and... It's it, it's something that we can relate to as, as queer folk as well, you know, regardless of what your relationship is with your actual family, because obviously it's different from person to person. But we always, I think, especially in the LGBTQ plus community, find and draw our our friends and um, associates in very, very close. Mm. And I think that's something that's definitely reflected in in Doctor Who as a theme and the idea of friends helping friends and and yeah. I don't know if I've articulated that very well. No, no. Both beautiful answers, but also I think that is a very similar conclusion to what we kind of arrived at as well when we did quite a while ago our Queer Hooniverse episode that's due for a refresh, I think. We need a part two Mm. to that. But I think we arrived at something similar, really. We said something interesting as well about um, the theme of kind of like identity that comes all the way through it because the Doctor is always going through this change and constant regeneration and coming to terms with who they are, but then also requires kind of their friends to kind of help them explore and accept that as well and and also kind of i guess the doctor as an outsider as someone who is essentially a homeless character as well who is kind of constantly Mm. moving and and needs the companions to kind of uh, what, 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 where am I going with this point? I'm not sure, but <laughs> I there's think it, in there. <laughs> we were we were kind of talking about how, as queer people, I feel like we're constantly regenerating ourselves. I think that you're mm. always finding new things about yourself. I don't think you ever come out once in the sense of your personal identity or also who you're around. And I think that the Doctor as a character, it's really interesting, Carrot, what you were saying about the companions and looking at the lens of the companions, because I think that's what I love so much about the show and its relation to queer audiences is that you can see that through the companions as well. And I'd not really thought about it from that angle. When me and Alice were talking about it recently, we were saying about how the doctors constantly change themselves and they have, as you were saying, reached their chosen family around them. And as much as the doctor is there to help the companions, I think the companion is there to help the doctor. And especially in a post-time war show, the doctor doesn't really know who they are. And with each regeneration, they're rediscovering themselves. And I think that they need their chosen family as much as the companion does and i think that there's a lot that people in the queer community can relate to when watching that show as, as well as it just being like a real camp romp of course. yeah that's why i really enjoyed yeah. what what we had with with yaz and jody's mm. doctor was seeing those two characters who are both a bit sort of lost and confused when we meet them helping one another in a in quite a subtle way to begin with and then it sort of comes to this lovely sort of little conclusion and though I, I do wish in a perfect world I, I wish we had more of that story I wish we got to see what happens next with them hmm. um, or at least a kiss or at least a kiss yes of course um, <laughs> but, anyway, it, but it was lovely, lovely to see it was lovely to see them sort of figuring figuring it out you know in, in, in relation by which I mean explicitly in terms of like their queerness and their feelings towards one another and their sort hmm. of place in the world 
it's um it kind of related to that but it's related sort of generally to what we've been chatting about there's this one of my yeah. favorite favorite lines from doctor who is from a relatively recent episode and it's when um the fugitive doctor joe martin's doctor says when jody's in the matrix and is like you how when have you ever been limited by who you were before and i just think that's just so encapsulating mm, yeah. of what the show is and what it should be and what it will be and i think it really speaks to queer people especially that idea of of being able to regenerate and honoring your past should you choose to or the bits of it that mm-hmm. are, are good and and have, have informed you um but being able to sort of strike out in a in a new direction i, I really I'm glad you brought up the Doctor and Yaz. I feel like when when me and Asa did um, our Queer Universe episode, we didn't delve into that as much as we um, should have. And then Alistair recently did an episode with his sister, who's queer, and she was saying about how there's so much in the sapphic relationships and Doctor as a whole to talk about. Like, that's a whole episode of itself. But really looking at the Doctor and Yaz, I think that, I, again, like you were saying, I wish there was a kiss. I think they could have done more. But the scene that really sticks out to me is the scene in, I believe it's is it Eve of the Daleks, the the most recent Dalek New Year special, mm. where Yaz is talking to Dan. And by this point, they've known each other like for years, as we've saw through Flux. And you really see Yaz, not as an alien, not as someone from other world, but like really just like as a person. And she is discovering this thing about herself that she didn't know and that and that scares her and it confuses her and she's not really sure what to do with it. And I just think that that is such a relatable scene and a really important one to include in a show where we have seen queer characters before and you, you have characters like River Song or even the Doctor who are just so sure of themselves or Bill. And I think it was very important to show audiences who may be going through similar things like, no, like this is okay. Like you don't know everything and that's fine and you'll figure it out. For sure. Like, uncertainty is fine. Like, we can't all be Captain Jack, mm-hmm. who's like, yes, this is what I am, and this is what I like to fuck, and it's everything. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about, uh, we rewatched uh, the Empty Child episodes, and we were trying to debate who's more homophobic, Nancy from the 1940s or Rose from 2005. And um, there's a scene <laughs> where Rose realises that Jack is queer, and the Doctor's like, oh, you know, they just goes and dances with everyone, and she's like... What do you mean, everyone? And she just can't get her head around it. It's just means so he's a bit more flexible than you. How flexible? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I forgot about that. Famously uh, anti-LGBT, Rose Tyler. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, so no, Rose is not. She is the original bisexual Rose Tyler. Exactly. I've heard so many people say that as well, that their bi-awakening was seeing like the f- promo shoot of David Tennant and Billy Piper for series two like this. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nothing more erotic than a back-to-back pose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I am very, very excited uh, to come to your next London-based Galfrey Cabaret. Can you yes. tease anything as to what we might have in store for future events? No. Well, I yeah. can tease a bit. <laughs> I, you can tease a bit and I can tease a bit. Yeah. Do you want to tease first? No, I need to think of a way to tease it. <laughs> it was very on the spot. No is a fine answer. <laughs> we have got some returning acts for sure. Mm. We've also got some Exciting. amazing new acts. Definitely right. some special guests. Yeah. Maybe. But that's kind of part of the fun. Mm. We wouldn't Ooh. want to spoil too much. We wouldn't want to spoil too much. Well, this was part of the joy for us. Like we knew when we were going uh to our first Gallifrey Cabaret, we kind of knew what it was as a show, but we were not 
sure what we were going to see when we came through the door. And I think that was part of the joy of just like walking in and being like in it's the best way, nice like surprise. hit with this surprise of what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. It was just so, so good. So fun. The surprise is half the fun. Exactly. The reveal is so much of the fun. Cards on the table, even we as producers and hosts, we don't, know don't what, what really the, know. Like anyone's going to do. <laughs> because no we, we don't see the acts until they actually happen on the stage. Like, I know yeah. it's going to be an absorbaloff and I know they're going to do some singing, but I don't know exactly what they're going to necessarily look like or what, mm-hmm. you know, what they'll say, how they're going to do it. So, and that's part of the delight is that it is, what's well, like, it's live entertainment. Yeah. It's show business, it's baby. Entertainment can happen. <laughs> this has got me thinking so hard about what my Doctor Who drag act would be. I'll come back to you. Oh. Will be. Will be. It, it, it could be coming. It, well, I've heard that before. Um, <laughs> if I had a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> We've also got plans for, because we're doing a big birthday show in November. Yeah. Um, oh. Which is why I really need the BBC as a personal thing now to tell us when these fucking episodes... Oh, my God. Because we've got a show to, to, to <laughs> put on. Put it we don't Can wanna... you imagine scheduling it on the same day? I won't be there. I'll be at home watching it on the no, telly. We'll fully cancel. When, whenever we do finally get the announcement, I'm hoping there's a lot of teasing around Eurovision. We might be getting some things. I'm hoping then. Would you ever do some kind of like live Gallifrey Cabaret viewing party or would that be anything you'd be up for doing? Or do you want to be like in quiet in your room at, at home? Like nobody talk to who's on. That's me. Like I would, I, if I, if there was a viewing party happening, I would not go to it. I want to watch it at home. <laughs> so that's, so for that reason I alone, focus. I wouldn't put one on, but I mean, maybe, maybe <laughs> discussions have maybe been had. Okay. I couldn't possibly say that's me being my most Russell T Davis there. That was very RVT. I feel like I read that wow. in Doctor Who magazine. Very sort of side eye emojis on Instagram. Tee hee hee. Exactly. Well, I am very, very excited to see what is in future, both for Doctor Who whenever they do come out and for the upcoming Gallifrey Cabarets. Woo! Yeah, same. <laughs> I can't wait. We're going to be back, baby. Mm-hmm. We'll let someone else do the do the Cyberman show. That was really good. I was going to ask, actually, the Cyberman competition, that was a last minute sort of decision, wasn't it? It was, because we had an act who sadly had to pull out, who will be performing definitely at the next at the next show, which is yeah. great that we that we That's will good. get to see that them perform. But yeah, I just kind of thought, let's let's get some tinfoil <laughs> and let's blue Peter this shit and see what happens. At the end of the day, nothing is funnier than watching people twat around with tinfoil and scotch tape. And you proved that. <laughs> and you were very much a part of that. You proved so, that, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It was, as a, as a participant, it was definitely, it was, it was a challenge, but it was a fun challenge. <laughs> Blue Peter it up is exactly what it was. I was devastated that I couldn't take part in the recent uh, Blue Peter competition, in fact, to, to be a part of Doctor Who. So this, <laughs> this is as close I could get to that. Did you, did you enter it when you were a child? Back in the day? Back in the absorber off day? Oh, I, I, I did. Yes, there were, because I was I entering didn't. them. I don't. I did. You did. You're, you're younger. They than might me, be too young. You, I, I, oh no! 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 I entered. So there was the competition to play um, the role at the end of, in Utopia. The kid in Utopia. The kid, I entered that, and I remember my dad filming me on a camcorder. You had to do a monologue, and it stuck with me. That the very end of it, I remember like sitting like this, and I was like, "It takes a long while, you know, to get to the sea monster planet." And my dad doing like a slow zoom, <laughs> and I was like, oh, "With this cinematography, get that out baby." Of the uh, there is no way this exists anymore. But there were lots. There was that one that was designing the Absorbaloff. That's the one I remember. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah there were loads. Yeah. And I'm really glad that they're doing it now. I've seen lots of people on Twitter being like, oh, I, why can't I enter Doctor Who? But it's 
because like it, it's for kids as <laughs> because well. Because you're like, 29. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really glad that they're getting like the same kind of opportunities that we got when we were younger. Absolutely. It's a kid's show. Yeah. 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 Which we would all do well to remember sometimes. <laughs> we would all do well to remember. And with that, the podcast is finished. Oh, we're so grateful. Thank you so much for you both joining us today. We honestly have been so thrilled to have you on and speak to you. Um, Mm -hmm. You are easily our most celeb booking. (laughs) Really looking forward to getting in the diary as well. And it's just been so exciting to talk to you. Where can people find you and what are the upcoming shows they should know about? What are your socials, babe? Yeah, you can find me on everything at Carrot Drag on all the social medias, all the popular ones. And the next show is the 5th of July. Nice. And then the of November. Mm-hmm. The TBC. And then who knows? Who knows? Who, who does knows? that? Exactly. And what, and what about you, Reese? Yeah. I, I am Reese Connolly on Instagram and Twitter, I think. Or it's the other way around. It's Connolly Reese. Anyway, I'm there. I'm dressed as the doctor in my profile picture. <laughs> <laughs> An iconic doctor outfit as well. Thank you. Thank you. I've, I've worked hard on it. Mm-hmm. Love a bit of tweed. A bit of tweed. Love a bit of tweed. And um, yeah, so we've got the July 5th show and something in November. Hopefully we'll be able to take it out of London. Continue to take it out of London as well. We've done Manchester. We've done, or about to do Cardiff. It would be lovely to take it elsewhere too. Mm-hmm. So if anyone knows how to do that let us know because um, it's harder than it looks and um, venue suggestions welcome at Hulala please 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 <laughs> oh well honestly thank you so much for joining us on this very special pride episode of Hulala um, as Alistair said just a second what he was saying we have both been very very excited to have you on the podcast and thank you honestly for just putting on these events they really are very special and everyone that I've spoken to about the events me and Beth were chatting about it the other day like it it just is a real celebration i think of what it is to be a queer hoovian how queer the show is what's happened before what's going on forwards and so just from us thank you so much for putting on these really amazing events oh, thank yes. you Thank you for having us. Thank you for coming on. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> thank you for giving up your evening. And thank you, dear listener, for listening to this very special episode of Hulala. And please keep the conversation going. You can always find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all of which at Hulala Pod. And you can also listen to old episodes of the podcast on our YouTube, also at Hulala Pod. And please give us a five-star review, even if you didn't enjoy it. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, and we will see you next week. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.